Hello everyone, this is John with Catholic for Rednecks. Thank you for dropping by the podcast. It is my pleasure to get on here and not be doing a YouTube that I have to upload to Spotify later. It's just nice to do a straight up podcast. If you hear anybody barking or yakking in the background, that is the dog, Callie. Callie, say hello to everyone. (laughs) She's a German Shepherd. And I'd like to talk about Martin Luther. Today I was talking to my brother, Terry. He identifies as a Southern Baptist. And he went on a cruise to Mexico and fell out of the top bunk of bunk beds. He's with his grandkids and he fell out of the top bunk bed trying to get up in the night to tend to him. And when he fell, he landed on his side on some kind of a nightstand and fractured five or six ribs and bruised his lungs. And it was so bad they wanted to airlift him to a hospital. But the air, the pressure of flight would have hurt his breathing. So uh, then they were going to send the Coast Guard out to rescue him but it just worked out and he's been in a hospital in New Orleans and hopefully he'll be able to listen to this tonight but we were ta- I was talking about Martin Luther and my brother was surprised that people knew who Martin Luther is well Martin Luther very very famous and it is academically and historically acceptable to say that he is or was the founder of what we call Protestantism. What do we mean by Protestantism? Can't say the word right. Protestants. Christianity, really Christianity, started out as one church, one religion, with one hierarchy, uh, one set of dogmas, sacraments, and all that. And if you look up Catholicism in Britannica Encyclopedia, which I encourage you to do so, uh, let me say real fast that I don't get on here on my podcast just pull stuff out of my rear end. Uh, I'm giving you truth. I'm giving you facts. And I encourage you to vet me. I'm going to turn around and yell at this dog. Hutch, I encourage you to do a checkup from the neck up. And when I say the things that I say on the podcast or the YouTube channel, Catholic for Index, do your research. And if you find that I'm a liar, then tell everyone I'm a liar and delete my podcast and do everything you can to uh, get everybody else to. But you will find out that I do not lie. I may say some things you've never heard before. I've said things that Catholic priests have never heard before. But they're true. And everything I'm going to say tonight, everything I'm going to say on this podcast tonight is the absolute truth. Now, my brother found it hard to believe that people today know who Martin Luther was. Martin Luther was a Catholic priest credited with the so-called Reformation. What is the Reformation? That is when he got sick and tired of some things going on in the Catholic Church in his area, which was Germany. And legend has it that he wrote 
a paper with, I think, 96 things he found fault with with the Catholic Church and got a hammer and nail and put him on the cathedral door there in Germany. That's what they say happened. Some say it never happened. I don't know. But to say it in everyday 2023 words, let's just say that Martin Luther tweeted a bunch of stuff about the Catholic Church he was in disagreement with, and that tweet went viral and got retweeted by millions and millions of people and has been getting retweeted and shared as the gospel truth ever since then. So Luther was a Catholic priest. He did break his vows and married a nun. I think her name was Mary Catherine. I'm not sure about that. I, I, I'm not real sure her name, but he left, you know, the Roman Catholic priests take a vow of celibacy. Now, there are certain rites, R-I-T-E-S, within the Catholic Church that allows priests to be married. But we're talking about Roman Catholic. The, the Catholic Church is the Catholic Church is made up of many different rites, R-I-T-E-S. And it's not the same as denominations. Protestants have denominations and the reason Protestants have denominations is their various churches disagree with each other on certain points of doctrine theology for instance uh, if you lined up 25 different Protestant ministers from 25 different Protestant denominations and asked them how you get saved how you get to heaven how you get born again uh, they'll come up with uh, different ways if you ask them, how do you get baptized? What's the correct way to be baptized? They'll come up with different ways. Some of them believe in sprinkling. Some of them dunking. Some of them say it's optional. Um, in the Protestant religion, and I do call it a religion, because a religion, if you look that word up, it's a system of religious belief. It's a system of worship, a set way of worship. So within the Protestant, the Protestant part of the Christian church. There's all kinds of disagreement. I'm just going to flat out say it. You got Baptist, and within the Baptist church, you've got 60 different conflicting denominations. You got denominations within denominations. And before that, you had the Catholic church. Now, the Catholic church is a standalone religion. Um, it does not use other books from other religions. The Catholic Church formulated, compiled, put together, picked out what we call now the New Testament. The Catholic Church put it together. It was the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church alone that determined what went in the Holy Bible because before the Catholic Church, there was no Holy Bible. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sacred scrolls, texts, letters, etc., etc., and there was great debate about which was legit, which was not, and then finally, um, I think it was Pope um, Damascus. Oh, what was his name? I have to look it up. Finally, the Pope at that time, Pope Innocent, Pope Innocent, said, "You know, we really need to limit what they're reading at Mass, so let's limit it." to these writings that we know for sure 100% were written by the apostles except for Luke so 
the Catholic Church determined the canon of Scripture, C-A-N-O-N. The Catholic Church and only the Catholic Church determined which scriptures, which scrolls, which letters, which books would be the Bible. The Jews didn't even have that. And the Bible, and I say that with italics, you know, the Bible that Jesus and the apostles quoted from when they would quote scripture was from the Septuagint. The Septuagint was a Greek translation of what we now know to be the Old Testament. And listen to me carefully. Within the Septuagint, there were seven books called the Catholic books that contain well over 3,000 scriptures. Now, during the so-called Reformation, and I'll get back to that in a minute, during the Reformation, the Catholic Church had all these books, and then those books greatly interfered with the new teachings and the new beliefs of the Protestant religion, so they removed them. <laughs> when you start your own religion using another book from another religion, you may want to redact parts of that old religion that conflict with the new religion. That's exactly what they did. A lot of these uh, Catholic topics like purgatory, praying to angels, uh, et cetera, et cetera, are in those books. I've read them. You can read the book of Tobit. You can look it up, T-O-B-I-T. Uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, it's in the Catholic Bible. It, Tobit was around for hundreds and hundreds of years before Martin Luther was, was born. Okay, but he took it upon himself to remove that book because that book had a lot of stuff in it that went against his new religion that he started. Jesus did not start the Protestant church. It's not the same church. If you look up Britannica, Encyclopedia Britannica, you will see that the terms Christian and Catholic were used interchangeably. They meant the very same thing. There's no difference between saying Christian and Catholic. For many, many centuries, for many, many centuries, then after the so-called Reformation that is credited to Martin Luther, then you have today, some people say, I'm Catholic. Some people say, I'm Christian. Well, I am a Catholic, and I am a Christian. But you won't find many Christians that say they're Catholic because a lot of them believe the Catholic Church is of the devil. Well, that's another episode. So why are we talking about Martin Luther? I did a video about Martin Luther today on the uh, YouTube channel and Martin Luther was an anti-Semitic drunken heretic and I don't mean to offend anyone that doesn't know that but I challenge you to check up from the neck up Google the Jews and their lies it's a sermon pre written and preached by Martin Luther himself the Jews and their lies. And within that sermon, there are seven paragraphs. I call them paragraphs, but there are seven sections of how we need to treat the Jews because Martin Luther hated, absolutely hated the Jewish race religion. He hated Rome. You know, the Germans do not like to be told what to do. Uh, every now and then, I don't mean to upset my German friends. I do have a few of them. But uh, they've been known to try to take over the world or at least take over Europe a time or two. And we've been to World War with them twice. And we do have military bases on 
German soil right now, and there's a reason for that. It's not because we fell in love with Germany and didn't want to leave. No, it's our uh, government had the sense enough to know that we can't leave because the minute we leave, they'll rise up again and cause all kinds of trouble because that's what that country has done since the beginning of time is raped, pillaged, and murdered millions of people. And this is the absolute truth. I'm not woke. If you haven't guessed by now, I am unwoken, okay? But Germans, and it wasn't always called Germany. You could call it uh, the Huns or, or, or whatever, barbarians, whatever, the, whatever you want to call them, the Germans people have a long history of uh, taking over and Martin Luther was a German and Martin Luther was a German priest who found fault with Rome found fault with the bishop and everything and he you know put out that tweet all these different things 96 things that was wrong with the Catholic Church let me say this right now okay I am 100% all in Catholic I believe in the Catholic Church it is the only church in this world I believe in. If they shut down the Catholic Church today, and a lot of governments have been trying to do that for 2,000 years, if they shut down the Catholic Church today, I would never, ever go to church again. Why? The same reason, I, and this is going to sound offensive, but I do not go to the mosque. I don't go to the temple. Uh, I don't go to Hindu temple. I don't go to the mosque. I don't go to other churches and other religions. For one, for one thing, I'm not allowed to. I'm a Catholic. And when I say the Nicene Creed, when I pray the Rosary, when I say the um, Apostles' Creed at the Rosary, the Nicene Creed at Mass, I always say, I believe in one holy apostolic Catholic church. One church. And there's a lot of people that think that their church is part of that church, but it ain't. Okay, it ain't. There are major differences. Well, one of the things that Martin Luther was upset about was a practice of selling indulgences. And what does that mean? That means that certain maybe bishops or priests were charging people to give their confession. It's like, you know, if one of them was watching Pornhub back then, watching porn and uh, maybe wanked it or, you know, maybe they committed adultery or had a GDMF cuss fit and beat their wife, whatever, they sinned. Uh, you go to confession, you humble yourself, you go to confession. And I know somebody's saying right now, confession's not in the Bible. I bet you your next 500 paychecks it is. I'll put my paycheck against your paycheck. The next 500 of them, confession is in the Bible. Uh, you can start Matthew 3, 6 and see where people came to see John the Baptist. It says they were, that they confessed their sins and were baptized. Then you go over to John 20, verse 23, and Jesus gives his apostles the authority to forgive sins. You go over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it talks about the apostles were given the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation is really the official word of confession. The sacrament of reconciliation is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, uh, close to verse 21. It's, it, I think verse 21 is the end of the chapter. But I think right there, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you'll, you'll see confession. Go over there to James, the book of James, chapter 5, 
verse 14 and 15, you'll see confession. Uh, I think it's Matthew 9, 6. You'll see confession. Uh, you can go back into the Old Testament and the sacrament of confession is all over the Old Testament. Once a year, you had to go confess your sins to the priest and take that lamb with you, okay? Well, we have confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Why did they use the word confess? Which means to say it. The same thing out loud. It means to say out loud, you agree that you sin, you declare it out loud. Why did they use that word in the King James Bible? That's real easy because King James was Anglican. And Anglicans believe in confession just like Catholics. So, of course, King James left that just the way it said. First John 1, if we confess our sins, he left that there because... He knew what confession was about. So, they were having to pay extra. Can you imagine? You know, you commit a sin, you got to go to confession, and the priest said that'll be 50 bucks where you can sit down. That was an indulgence. It's wrong. It's still done today in many Protestant churches. You may say, it is not. Um, you flip on any televangelist any televangelist that gets on there and promises you something, if you'll send him a tithe or offering, that is the same thing as an indulgence. It's wrong. I've seen people like Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, uh, all you know those televangelists, faith healers get on TV and promise you if you send them an offering that God will send down the blessing. Of, it's all over the place. So indulgences, nothing new. Uh, they, they're going on today. So Luther did not like that, and he raised hell about it, and rightly so. But he raised hell about a lot of things that I don't even know what he was raising hell about. My brother Terry asked me, was there a Catholic response to what Luther wrote? Yes, it was called the Council of Trent, T-R-E-N-T. It's a big old response, and I don't know how long it would take you to read Luther's 96 things he had against the Catholic Church, but it's going to take you a long, long time to read the Catholic response to it, because the Catholic response, they double, triple down on Catholic teaching. So, whether he meant to or not, Luther started what they call the Reformation. Now, think about that word, Reformation, reform. Now, the Bible talks in Genesis about the earth being that the earth was without form. And some people believe that the earth was recreated or redone. So the Reformation was an attempt to redo Christianity. There were people then that did not agree with uh, the dogmas of the Catholic Church or the, probably mostly the way they ran the Catholic Church. There's a difference between dogma and administration. I think a lot of it was administrative. And, you know, even today, look, I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm 100% Catholic, and I submit to the authority of Pope Francis and the church. Does that mean that I think there are a bunch of perfect little angels and they're always right? No. For instance, I know damn well they're corrupt as hell. Man, Washington, D.C., 
is the capital of the United States of America, greatest country on earth. I was in the Marine Corps. I was a police officer. I'm a voter. I'm a citizen. I love America. I love Americans. I believe in Americans, but I believe in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. But I do know that those crooks up in Washington are crooked as barrels of fish hooks. Okay, same thing with Rome. I believe in the catechism. I believe in the councils of the church. I believe in the teachings of the church. Do I believe in all the priests and cardinals and bishops? No, I believe that a lot of them ain't so good. That's the same thing with law enforcement. Uh, same thing with firemen. Same thing with school teachers. The vast majority of school teachers are wonderful people. I've uh, got a niece that's a school teacher, but we do know there are some school teachers that abuse kids and teach wokeism and atheism and go against God. We know that, especially in college. Okay, but Francis does not believe in the death penalty. The death penalty is in the Old Testament. Then we really don't see it again in the New Testament. And Pope Francis believes that in this day and age that the death penalty is unnecessary, that you can lock somebody up in a prison cell and just keep them there, that ending their life is a form of uh, vengeance. And the Bible says, God says, vengeance is mine. There's a difference between revenge and punishment. Pope Francis believes uh, that criminals should be punished, but he doesn't believe, he believes that putting them to death is revenge. Um, but see, I submit to him. I'm not going to get all over TV and say, Pope Francis, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, disobey. No, I don't agree with Pope Francis on the death penalty. But I submit to it. If Pope Francis says no death penalty, then I'm like, yeah, I, you know, no death penalty. I see what he's saying. Because Pope Francis is the successor of Peter when Jesus gave Peter the keys to heaven and earth, he gave Peter the authority to bind and loose. To bind and loose. And there are some that say, well, he wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to the church in general. Well, fine then. He gave the church the authority to bind and loose, to make laws, to cancel laws. And sometimes you have to make laws during different times. And sometimes you can cancel laws. Because you got to remember the Catholic Church transcends race, culture, geography, borders, and time zones and eras. Okay, what, what might be a problem in Japan may not be a problem in England. What might be a problem in Brazil may not be a problem in the Philippines. Therefore, you know, sometimes you got to handle things different ways in different cultures. That don't mean we change our dogma. The, the dogma of the Catholic Church is unchangeable. Pope Francis cannot change dogma. What is dogma? Dogmatic truth cannot change it. Cannot change the Bible, even though Martin Luther did. Martin Luther changed, changed the Bible. Now, Martin Luther hated Jews, and he wrote that sermon, The Jews and Their Lies. And if you read that sermon, and I think tomorrow, if I get the opportunity, I'll sit down in front of a camera and read that entire sermon word for word. I will not spin it. I will not mince words. I will not substitute words. I, I will just read it the way he wrote it. And the man hated Jews. He is an absolute racist. He called for their physical harm. 
He called for all synagogues to be torched, to be burnt down. He called for their businesses to be destroyed. He said that no Jews should have safe travel. And he said that all Jews should be worked, labored, put in labor camps. Now, who does that remind you of? What historical figure demanded the destruction of Israel, the deportation of Jews, demanded that Jews be arrested? And their, who does that make you think of? The little short man with the real weird looking mustache, Adolf Hitler. Yes, Adolf Hitler preached exactly from Luther's sermons. Martin Luther hated the Jews, called for their absolute destruction. He was a hateful man. And if you can read his sermons and say, well, he wasn't, he was not a racist, then you need to go get your head examined. Okay? Because if anybody today, if President Biden, well, I won't say President Biden because he seems to be able to get away with anything. And a lot of you will say, well, Trump seems to be able to get away with anything. Well, you just think of any politician today, any celebrity, any rock star, any TV anchor, any, any athlete. If a public figure was to get up today and blast black people, Asians, Jews, it would be the end of their career. They would be canceled. They would be lose contracts. They'd be if you say anything against our friends that are attracted to each other, the queer crowd. Okay, the queer crowd. If you say anything against the queer crowd, you'll lose your job, you'll get fired, you'll ruin your career. Now, if you got the same person to get up there and read Luther's sermons, if they did not know they were reading from Luther's sermons, that person would be canceled and fired because Luther was a freaking racist, okay, anti-Semitic. He hated Jews, and he passed that hate down. And Adolf Hitler, you know, one of the reasons he was able to sell what he sold to Germany was because they had already been sold it before. All those Lutherans over there in Germany knew damn well how they felt about the Jews because the founder of their religion, Martin Luther, wrote all that hateful stuff, that hate speech. Hate speech. Luther, Martin Luther wrote that stuff and people drank it up like Kool-Aid or drank it up like lager. So Martin Luther founded the so-called Reformation. Now my brother, I was telling you about Terry, he says he does not identify as a Southern Baptist. He does not identify with Luther. He does not follow Luther. That's fine. Okay. That's fine until you find out. Have you heard the expression what did you know, and when did you know it, and what did you do about it? Well, once you know some things, you're responsible for them. And I'll just tell it to you bluntly. If you find out that your husband or wife is a serial killer, and you've known it for months, and you sit on it, and you don't turn them in, guess what? You're a party to it, if you know about it. Now, you know that Long Island serial killer list. I was up in Long Island, and as a matter of fact, I was right there at uh, Gilgal Beach where the uh, bodies of the victims were found. I was right there because 
my uh, daughter-in-law, her family's from that area. And they lived there. And we was there in January. We were on Long Island, New York, the biggest suburb, the biggest city. And I went to Gilgal Beach because I wanted to see for myself where the dude dumped the bodies of the people he murdered. And to think, I was joking. I was saying, that dude's probably walking around here right now. Well, guess what? He was. All six foot five or six foot seven of him. Well, his wife, bless her heart, his wife is very obvious, unless she's a great actress, that she had no freaking idea that her husband, the architect, was torturing, murdering, raping, and dumping women while she was out of town on vacation every year. He had a a, a kill room, a torture chamber, a soundproof torture chamber. Okay, now, everybody feels sorry for his wife because she did not know. She didn't know all this stuff. As soon as she found out that her husband was being accused of being this Long Island serial killer, she filed for a divorce, okay? Because she did not want to be associated with him. And I say, you know, if you go into a church and you found out that the founder, not the pastor, but the founder of your church said the things that Luther said, it's time to exit that church. Now, let me, let me go on further here and say this. I sort of disagree with a lot of historians and a lot of theologians and preachers and priests about the Reformation. Because in my opinion, this is just my opinion, King Henry VIII, who I call Horny Henry, to me, he had more to do with the Reformation and the churches that exist today outside the Catholic Church. Most of them can be traced to Horny Henry. Why do I call him Horny Henry? Because he wanted a male heir to his throne and his queen could not produce you know, a child, a male heir to his throne. And, you know, what he would do, you know, he'd have him, you know, whacked or put in prison in the North Tower or whatever, because at that time they thought it was the woman that determined the sex. He didn't realize it was him. So he got his eyes on a lady named uh, Amberlynn. Amberlynn, I, I have a hard name, with hard time saying her name. But he had the hots for this girl. And he wanted to do her. And he requested a divorce from the Pope. The, the Pope said, oh, hell to the no. You're not divorcing her. You're not going to divorce her. So guess what? He did anyhow. And he, mar- and he married that lady. And he told the Pope to go F off and shot him a finger, a double birdie. And guess what? Horny Henry himself removed his entire country from the Catholic Church, from out from under the Pope, and started his own self, something called the Church of England. You may know that church as the Anglican Church. You may know it as the Episcopalian Church. But the Church of England in America is the Episcopalian Church. It used to be the largest denomination of Christianity in the United States. Now, it's one of the smallest. Okay? So, Horny Henry, he started the Church of England. Out from the Church of England, 
came the Methodist Church and the Baptist Church. The Baptist Church, yeah, the original Baptist Church came from the Puritans. Who were the Puritans? They were the people in the Church of England that wanted to purify the Catholic Church from all signs of Catholicism. Sacred art, uh, baptismal fonts, stained glass, rosaries, anything Catholic. The Puritans wanted it destroyed. These are the same people, the Puritans that held the Salem witch trials where all those poor, innocent teenage girls were burned at the stake. Okay? That's the same people. The Baptist church come out of the Puritan church. Now, since then, you know, the slavery issue got hot. So, in 1845, the Baptist church in the South severed from the other Baptist and started the Southern Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, July 1845. Might have been August. I get it mixed up. August, July 1845, Augusta, Georgia. That's where they had it, okay? Now, let me get back to this. In Birmingham, Alabama, where I currently live, we used to have these country clubs, and I think this happened like in the 1990s, early 2000s, where these country clubs were for rich white men and they played golf and ate and all the employees were blacks the chauffeurs the cooks the people that waited on you at the table the servants the, everybody was black and black people could not be members of the country club they couldn't so do you remember tiger woods pretty good golf player he was black so what you going to do when tiger woods and the golf people want to come to the country club. Uh, all hell broke loose because it wasn't white. Okay? So even if you were not a racist, the thing to do at that time was to withdraw from the country club because the country club had been ID'd as anti-black. They racist. So it would be hard to say... Well, I'm a member of such and such country club, and I ain't got nothing against black people. Well, why the hell are you a member of a country club that excludes black people? And I say the same thing. If you're going to a church that hates Jews, that's in their writings they hate Jews, then why go there? And the Baptist church, if you'll read the London Confession of Faith, read it, the London Confession of Faith, it outright calls the Catholic Church Antichrist and the Pope Antichrist outlaws it. So, you know, I could not go to a church that explicitly preaches racism and explicitly, you know, just, I, I can't do it. Maybe you can't. It goes back to what did you know? When did you find out? What did you do about it? Well, if you find out you go to a church founded by racists, that call for the destruction of people, then you got to think, what else is wrong with that church? Because the law of Genesis, listen here, the law of Genesis is seed produces after its kind. Seed produces after its kind. I believe as Jesus said, you cannot gather good fruit from a bad tree. A bad tree does not produce good fruit. And Martin Luther is a bad, bad tree and the Reformation is his fruit. And King Henry, a bad, bad person.
a bad, bad person, and everything under him is a bad fruit. So these churches that came out from the Reformation, these anti-Catholic churches, anti-Semitic churches, racist churches, churches that removed chapter after chapter after scripture. I mean, if your church removes scriptures from the Holy Bible, there's a curse attached to that. The Bible clearly says in the book of Revelation, anyone that adds to or removes from these words will have their place in the lake of fire, will go to hell, will be cursed. So, do you go to a church that embraces racism, that was founded on racism? Do you go to a church that has torn books and chapters out of the Bible? Well, if you're not Catholic, then you probably do go to a church that was founded on racism or by racist. So we know that Martin Luther and Horny Henry are the two founders, the most influential, responsible founders of what they call the Reformation. So all their churches that follow them come from that same tree. And that's just a fact. And you may say, well, that doesn't affect me. Oh, it does too. If your church is protesting dogmas of Christianity, then that is a bad thing. That is a bad thing. And what what I find amazing about my Protestant friends is that they claim that the Bible is their final authority. They claim their Bible is all they need, the sole rule of faith and morals. It's only the Bible. If it ain't in the Bible, I don't believe it. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. I only believe what's in the Bible. I say bull caca because I know for a fact I can sit down with a diehard Southern Baptist, a diehard Lutheran, a diehard Presbyterian, and I can read them chapter and verse, chapter and verse, chapter and verse, of Catholic teaching from a King James Bible and they will flat out reject it. They will reject it. Now they'll they'll fight you to death over John 3.16. They'll fight you to death over Ephesians 2.8. But when you get to them Catholic scriptures, all of a sudden they want to go to, well, I just don't see it that way. Well, you know, that's called a cop-out. So anyhow, hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you will Go straight to Google and look everything up that I said about Horny Henry, how the Methodist and the Baptist churches got going. Look up Martin Luther. Look up uh, the things he said about Jesus being a fornicator. Yes, Martin Luther said Jesus of Nazareth, our Lord and Savior, fornicated with Mary Magdalene. Read it. Hey, he also said, and I'm going to paraphrase this part. Uh, You know how people say, Uh, don't tempt the Lord. Well, Luther said to go, when you sin, go big. Now, I am paraphrasing right there. Luther said, sin and sin boldly because the grace of Jesus has got you. Now, if your preacher got up in the pulpit this Sunday morning and said racial things about Jews (laughs) and you found out he had his wife murdered so that he could hook up with some teenage girl, and if that same preacher said, oh, by the way, I'm removing three or four books of the Bible I don't like, what would you do? You would stand up and leave that church. Well, that's exactly, exactly what Martin Luther did. 
exactly what Horny Henry did. Have a good night.